yeah. Summer of Love, 1969. Summer reruns, 2021. That's right. It's rerun season on the Unified CXM Experience. I'm your host, Grad Khan, CXO or Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler, a New York stock exchange listed company, ticker symbol CXM. So this is a really, really fun webinar. Uh, I just did this with uh, Danny Wright, who's the Chief Brand Officer at Adweek. Super, super cool guy. We've we've had a lot of interaction. Danny and I have had, I don't know how many conversations, but we've, we've talked a lot. And it's one of those weird things where, you know, when you really get along well with somebody and you, there's that kind of almost instant connection and just like, just somehow you feel like we should be friends. It doesn't, it doesn't happen as much these days. And something about zoom that seems to impede that a bit. I guess the chemicals aren't in the air, but even over zoom, Danny and I are like killing it. And I cannot wait to just like grab a beer with him or a coffee or whatever. And he's in New York. I'm in New York. We got to, we got to connect. But Danny and I had a great time on this. Um, in fact, I may have been overly enthusiastic. You'll notice a couple parts where I was just like going and Danny's like, grad, 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 and he's like waving me down. <laughs> so sorry, Danny, I, I was just getting into it. Um, but we had a good time, went for a long, like about 45 minutes, I think. And this is a, uh, an event that Adweek is running called the new customer experience. It was a great event. And the people that preceded me were terrific and people came after me were terrific. It was a a uh, really great lineup. So uh, you'll see at one point, Danny actually, um, if you're watching the video, and I'll tell you how to see that in a second, Danny like puts his hair down and he's got this awesome hair and and yeah, he was jealous of my microphone. It was it was all good. We're, 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 we're enjoying each other's time. So uh, enjoy this conversation. Um, I actually found that uh, I used some interesting historical analogies in this one. This is, I think, where Danny was trying to pull me back a bit. But I, I enjoyed them a lot. And if you're you know, a regular listener to the Unified CXM experience, um, if you keep coming back, you must like them too. So I think you're going to like some of these things. Um, they're not quite as good as the next rerun, uh, which I'll you can listen to uh, next next episode. But um, there's some pretty good stuff in here, and I sort of wax eloquently a few times. So uh, without further ado, we're going to go to the new customer experience event from Adweek. This conversation is going to be awesome. It always is whenever I get a chance to um, to talk to, to Grad. Uh, you know, very, very knowledgeable in what he does, a kind of fellow sci-fi geek like me. So we're going to cover it all from the AI experience to the Mandalorian. Will you please welcome to the virtual stage, headphone ready, the chief experience officer of Sprinkler. That's Grad Khan. What's up, buddy? How are you? Uh, good, Danny. Nice to see you. You too. You too. I like the phones and the mic, and this is like yeah. I see. I'm on. A, I'm on a Sure. I'm not getting paid for this, by the way. I'm on a Sure MV7, and it's a new. It's a, basically it's their radio announcer mic, and they've adapted it for podcasting, and it's mm. directional, so it doesn't pick up all the sirens. So I'm in New York City, and I'm on 35th Street, and there's inevitably an ambulance down there just wailing away for hours. Um, but you won't be able to hear it now. So it sounds like I'm in a studio and it can get, it can get really intimate, which is kind of oh, nice. Man. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's too exciting. Oh, yeah. You're on a farm in Vermont, what it sounds like. All right. right? I think we're done now, right? 
Oh, man. <laughs> uh, always with the next level, Brad. Always. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Okay. Well, so what we're going to do today, though, other than have a lot of fun, is we're going to talk about three modern truths, revelizing yeah. customer experience, right? So before we do that, because that will be my first question, um, give me like a give me like a three second, you know, sorry, give me like a 10 second elevator um, on Sprinkler for the audience. Sure, sure. That's easy. So Sprinkler is a, a unified platform for customer facing functions. And what that means is that for any function that faces a customer, we can unify the way people work together and unify the way the customer interacts with you. It's it's a compelling idea that's um, kind of long overdue and it's been really exciting. I've been here for about four years now. It's been a really exciting journey. And your, your founder um, talks a little bit about, I, I found this concept uh, fascinating, uh, point mm-hmm. solution chaos. Right. Um, which is the, the problem that you're solving for. But dig into that just a, a little bit. I, I want the people watching to be aware of, of you know, how fascinating the solution product and the solution set really is. Yeah. So Raji Thomas, our, our CEO and co-founder, um, he founded the company 11 years ago. I was one of his very first customers. And the reason that I became a customer is that Raji was speaking the same language that I was at the time. Is that Klingon? Is he a fellow sci-fi geek no. also? Oh, okay. No, no. no he is not a no. sci-fi fan. Uh, but uh, actually, I don't even know if he's a sci-fi fan. Raji just works. He he may be a sci-fi fan. I've just never had a chance to talk to him about it. <laughs> um, but no, he's a, uh, uh, no, he, so he, he was talking about, hey, how do we aggregate these point solutions that are out there? And I had just, I was at Microsoft for quite a long time and I'd spent about five years in healthcare in the health solutions group, um, building out a bunch of new products. And what I had seen then in the healthcare market was that in healthcare, which is typically ahead of almost every other industry from an IT standpoint, they had initially invested in lots of point solutions because in the beginning of any market, in the beginning of any sort of revolution in technology, you're not hundred percent sure of what you're going to need. And Typically, all the new early players don't have complete functionality because they're just starting. So you get a little bit of this. You get you know identity management. You get an EMR for this. You get the blood pressure management. So you had all these different things. And then as hospitals start getting paid based on outcomes, they became really dialed into how do we make sure our patients are as healthy as possible. And what they're finding is that all these individual point solutions, by not connecting to each other, made it really hard to manage the patient experience. It sounds familiar, right? This is exactly what's been going on in MarTech the last couple of years. And so not only was it you know, something like, say, sepsis, there are three different readings you need to detect sepsis early enough to do something about it. By the time sepsis presents, it's 50-50 that the patient even makes it. And so um, there was one system. There's one company called Epic Healthcare based in Madison, Wisconsin, one of America's great companies, but not very well known because it's private. And they had been banging away at this unified healthcare idea for many, many years. And suddenly everyone said, this is the only way to do it. And next thing you knew, Epic was taking off. And I saw Epic go from being relatively small to a major player. And today they're more than 60% of the market. They are kind of the market now. So that unified The unified platform idea is something that always happens in every category. Another great example, and you've got it in your pocket, is your iPhone. You know, it's a a table full of devices that that iPhone replaces, you know, cameras and video recorders and voice recorders and telephones and all that stuff has been unified into the iPhone platform. And so it's a motion that just continues on and on. And so 
Raji saw early on that in MarTech, we were going to run into the same issue. We were, you know, marketers were out there buying tons and tons of point solutions. The average marketing department has 81 uh, point solutions. Uh, and HR is almost as bad, by the way. Uh, but, you know, they've got you know, tons of point solutions. I actually had one CDO once tell me when I sort of shared the stat with him, he said, gee, we aspire to get down to that number. Right. So we're 81 would be awesome. We're at hundreds of point solutions. So it's a real problem. And so there was, and the result is that because all these individual point solutions are all from different companies, they're theoretically integrated with APIs, but the APIs are relatively fragile because they're SaaS solutions and they're constantly updating. Uh, then there's an update or an upgrade to one, it can break the whole system. I had a whole team at Microsoft and their sole job was to track the leads that were getting dropped between the different parts of our um, marketing automation solution. And so Raji's idea is if you put all that into sort of one platform, the way Epic did it, uh, you can not only create uh, a lot of uh, more clarity around the customer profile, but you can allow the company to collaborate around the customer as well. And then the result of that will be a better customer experience. And customers can tell when we don't know who they are. And, but they also are kind of weirded out to a certain extent because customers know that we do have the information. So have you ever seen, there's a, a great movie. It wasn't super well-reviewed, but it's like one of my favorite films. It's called 50 First Dates. It's got- um, I know um, the movie, having seen it. And Drew Barrymore, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so basically Drew Barrymore has got a brain injury. That means every morning she wakes up, she doesn't remember anything that's happened. She doesn't know who she is. Right? And so Adam Sandler is romancing her and she's essentially meeting him for the first time every day. So it's called 50 First Dates. And it's quite a charming story and uh, the great- But a, but a terrible customer experience. Well, <laughs> that's story. what we do to terrible. people, right? Like you walk into a store, they don't know who you are. And you're like, I've spent thousands of dollars here. Sometimes I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars here. And I walk in as a stranger. I go to the website, I go as a stranger. This constant feeling that I'm kind of re-explaining myself to people all the time. It's, it's weird and increasingly weird because customers know that we actually have this information. So why aren't you using it? Well, the reason it's not being used is the systems aren't unified. So there's no way to access it and there's no way to get to it. And That's so the, the idea, the That's simple the idea that Raji has is put all together and then give customers an experience that makes them want to come back again and again. So at the end of the day, you know, I want to drive revenue. The best way to drive revenue is to make my customers happy and keep them coming back. I've given up my data and privacy, so I expect to be optimized or my experience to be optimized when I come to your site. That's a fair trade. Yeah. So that's 75% maybe- of customers expect a personalized ad experience now. They expect okay. it. And, yeah. it. and it makes sense. I'm surprised that number isn't higher. I certainly do. I'm not liking the way my head is kind of morphing here. Maybe I need really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's like much better. Thing. That's much better. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got the voice, so I got to add. That's working. Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right, so back to business. So um, we <laughs> talked about the really a, a unique kind of nuance, new customer experience expectation, right? Is to have yeah. a more personalized experience right. because they data. Um, is that one of the three modern truths? Or tell us what the three modern truths are. Let's dig into that. Well, so the way that I'm framed them these days is that the first modern truth is that we're in the midst of a revolutionary change in the way we do marketing. And I can talk about that for a minute. Uh, the second thing is that we are in a new era of identity. So with cookies being gone and with a lot of different interesting kinds of information about people out there, which is really a, there's a combination of transactional data and there's a combination of experience data. That whole identity issue has become a really important challenge. So there's a modern truth around that. And the third one is we just actually talked about it, which is that unification of this 
data and these profiles and unification of the experience is the only way to deliver a great customer experience. And we're, we're seeing that across some of the world's biggest companies today. So then let's dig into AI. Um, sure. So we've got, the, we've got the truths laid out. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about how AI is helping to kind of in, in, empower um, and even accentuate this whole concept of the unified experience. Well, so if you think about how you have to interact with somebody, um, and I'll talk about the first truth for a second, just to kind of frame it. So there, there was a, my dad was a madman. He worked at Young and Rubicam on Madison Avenue. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Mad Men, but that there's a, a, you've seen that one? Okay. So in this beginning of season three or four, there's a scene where they're dropping water balloons out of the windows of a wonder. competing yeah. agent. My dad was one of the people in that room. That's a real story. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, uh, and so bring, bring, he bring your at, dad, bring your dad next time we get, can you, bring yeah, he's cool. He's cool. He, uh, he looks at that show. Like it's a documentary. Right. So, uh, and so, um, and so there's, and there actually, it is kind of drawn from real stories. So the, the world they lived in was a world where mass communication was relatively new. Like television was new, uh, radio been around, but not used the way it is today. It wasn't in cars, for example, until the sixties, really. Uh, and then you had, you know, movie theaters and all these other things that became very popular. So mass communication became the thing. And that was amazing because you could reach millions of people very quickly. What was interesting is that the era that came just before that era was personal one-to-one selling. And so we went from this very much one-to-one connected, I know who you are, you know who I am kind of selling modality into this very anonymous one, which, you know, you don't really know who was producing those ads and you don't really know who, know who was watching the ads. When I started, my, my, my career started at Procter & Gamble and my, my, the creative briefs we would be given, we would talk about who the target audience was, right? And the target audience at Procter & Gamble was always women 18 to 49, what kind of target is that? Like very little that a 49-year-old mother has in common with her 18-year-old daughter. And, uh, and, but that was, our, that was as much as we could target. And it was basically we're saying we're targeting women. And so the, um, the new era we're in right now, and it was actually Mark Pritchard at Procter & Gamble, who actually launched this at Cannes a couple of years ago, is we now know people's identity and interests, and we still have mass. So we're really in this mass one-to-one era. So this mass one-to-one era is the growth of conversational commerce. And this idea of conversational commerce is that now people have a back and forth relationship with the brand and with each other. So now the brand and the brand values are really being formed by what people say to each other and what people sort of interact with the brand on. And it's a very different, less controllable. The beauty of the mass stuff is very tight controls. I can really put stuff in a box. But it wasn't very robust communication. Today, it's uh, more like a real conversation. And so that, so that, that framing for me is sort of, it's helpful to understand that we're in this conversational era. Okay, so if you're going to be in a conversational era, what does that mean? That means you have to listen to every conversation about you. And not just the ones that are directed to your handle, if you're a brand, but about you, or even better, about your category. Like, if I'm Nike, I would love to make sure I talk to everyone who says at Nike. Um, I'm going to want to probably look at everyone who hashtags just do it and talks about Nike without an at symbol. I really would love to know what the competitors are being talked about, right? People saying about them, but don't I really want to know about everyone who wants to do a marathon? You know, all the golfers, like that, isn't that really the conversation I need to be part of? And so, you know, that the implication of that, if you do that on a global scale, is there are literally... Uh, at a minimum, hundreds of thousands, 
at a maximum, you know, billions of conversations. Um, I was pulling in 125 million mentions a year at Microsoft. These are big numbers. And so, and the, and the conversations are complicated because they're a mixture of sentiment, a mixture of brands. Uh, it was like brand A made me sad. So I switched to brand B. It was much better, but brand C seems promising. Like that's a very complicated kind of conversation. It doesn't sort of neatly fit into a structured data set. And so AI becomes the only way to understand what everyone's saying. And, and again, in a conversational commerce, in a conversational marketing world, you've got to listen to every conversation. You can't just sample them. And then you've got to respond to them. So how does so the now machine, I, though, how how do do I, machine nowadays, nowadays, how, how does, how does AI, like how, how does your yeah. artificial intelligence that you uh, proprietarily own yeah. understand the, the, the nuance of, of culture? So Angie just talked about a really important point. She said, um, you know, we used to uh, have very siloed conversations, which is exactly what you were talking about at Samsung. And now we want to have kind of a unified narrative. And we want to new, we want to not silo by like geo and demo, like you said, we're all women, but we want to do it more by like culture and nuance. So how are the machines able to now pick up the culture and nuance? And you and I talked earlier about like mm-hmm. colloquialisms, like how good have, has, has your AI gotten at that? Very, very good in some cases. Uh, cultural nuance, we're, we're really looking at it from a language nuance standpoint. So we're, we're across 75 languages now, uh, and we categorize it by industry. And so what we've done is we've kind of got a sort of a base level AI model. And then the second level is we have an industry vertical, uh, and we own all that AI and all that training. And because we're sitting across all these billions of conversations, there's a big training set. So it's actually pretty robust. Mm-hmm. But there's a third level, which is the company themselves. And so they'll come in and help us refine it. And so we do these projects with the companies. And in that case, the company actually owns the AI that they've refined. And in cases where we get that level of engagement, we get, get to about 95% accuracy uh, in understanding the intent of the message that somebody is sending to us and then being able to route it correctly. And AI does lots of stuff. Right? It, just, it sorts it, it understands the intent, it suggests to agents things to say that you know, has worked well when you get this kind of comment. Uh, it's, it's all about really taking the humans and helping amplify them. Because again, the sort of point about this conversational marketing world is that it requires a lot of conversations. And to do that at scale, you're gonna have to use AI to make it tenable. Otherwise it just, it'd be impossible to scale correctly. Uh, there's the one example I'll use is we have two really interesting customers. Mayo Clinic is one of our customers. Uh, and to them, the word sick is a very important word and very meaningful word. And obviously they want to see when that occurs. Uh, we have another customer named Red Bull, um, gives, you know, gives you wings and Red Bull, you know, sick dude is a completely different meaning, but also very important and one that they want to listen to. And so being able to tease out that nuance, the AI projects that Sprinkler started actually uh, with my team at Microsoft, because we had products named after common objects, right? Like Windows, Office, Surface, my favorite word. And so separating those out was really hard. And so that was where the original project started because we were going crazy trying to separate this stuff. And AI started sorting that for us and made it a lot life a lot easier. I should probably double the productivity of our community managers almost overnight. Yeah. I was hoping you would, we, you would give that example. Uh, we talked about it earlier. I even thought of one. So if somebody says, I like your kicks, if you're uh, yeah. working with Nike, you probably know they mean sneakers. If you're promoting yeah. the Cobra Kai movie, you probably yeah. think it's a, you know, it's, yeah. it's a defensive yeah. move, 
or, or offensive. So who, speaking of, you know, these companies, who else is doing it well? Like if you were thinking about who's really getting this right, you know, and using the platform the best and getting the best ROI, you've got something also that talks about showing ROI in like two days of setup, which is an unbelievable thing Mm. to to be able to, to boast. So who's doing it really, really well for you guys? We've got a lot of examples. Uh, I'm going to I'll highlight maybe two or three, um, but of the top hundred brands in the world, 91 are sprinkler customers. So, so there's, so we were, yeah, so we're really blessed with an incredible customer base. Although uh, I did share this with my dad the other day and he said, 91, what happened to the other nine? And I was like, (laughs) just like a dad. Thanks dad. (laughs) Bring him next time. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give him a water balloon and set him up anyway. So, um, so one of the, like one example I love using is uh, McDonald's all day breakfast. And what they did is they they listened to all the people that were saying they wanted breakfast during the day. Um, they used that to help inform which menu items they would offer during the day when they brought it all day breakfast. But what was really cool is that they actually went back to those people who said, I would like to have pancakes this afternoon. And sometimes it was years later, because we can go back in time about five years. So they go back and they'd say on November the 16th, you know, 2018, you said you wanted pancakes in the afternoon. Well, now you can have them. And people are like, whoa, like there's like one reaction is you were listening to me. Second reaction is you responded to me. And the third reaction is goody because I really like having pancakes in the afternoon. And so this sort of little brain explosion that happened for people, what they did is they they, uh, would then retweet it which created a lot of really interesting organic amplification. Then it became a top trending topic on Twitter, got picked up by the news media and kind of went to the offline world and became a very, very successful launch that added billions to the bottom line of McDonald's. And so people who do that, Microsoft does this too, um, to even like today, they'll do things like they will collect people who make feature suggestions. And then when the feature is launched, they'll go back to them again, sometimes years later and say, you had asked for a button in office that turns everything red to blue or whatever. Um, Now it's here. And people are just, they're grateful. They're appreciative. I, I would say that it is, it's interesting to me that not that more companies don't do this. Uh, it, it will, I think, become the common way of marketing in 20 oh, yeah. years, but it's, it's still very rare. And, and you still get a huge bump from just, the mere fact that you're listening to people. The last one I'll use is a, a little bit of uh, unusual example, but Rustoleum, they make paint. Yes. They make the paint that does the Golden Gate Bridge. Okay. So they they had a paint they came out with, which was sparkle paint. The, the people aren't walking around the streets thinking I need some sparkle paint. Like even the fact that sparkle paint exists, it's not something people even thought was true because it's not a way your brain would work. And so they were struggling to sort of get it out there and they couldn't run media behind it because it's a niche product. And so what that team did is they actually went to everyone who had sparkle boards on Pinterest and Instagram and said, you seem to like sparkles. Did you know there's sparkle paint? <laughs> Stuff flew off the shelves. And I think they're, they're actually, uh, the Rust-Oleum team has like 40 or 50 examples like this now, very niche products. And they'll go and they'll find people who would benefit from that product and essentially you know, rifle target market them. And it's right. a great, really great way of sort of demonstrating conversational marketing and really going after people in a way that you would never be able to do before. 
Well, listen, Grant, I want to get to your takeaways before we run out of time. I could talk to you for days. And uh, marketers, I know you're busy with your pens up, but put your pens down. Um, There's great insights and takeaways here. We're going to get to grads in a second. And if you have some more questions, pop them in the chat. I can get at least one more to them before uh, before we, before we let the, the marketing genius go. But, but uh, before yeah, that, yes. Grad, let's get to your uh, take. <laughs> I'm only speaking truth here, Grad. Obviously, you know, you've been oh, a long yeah, time. You've learned, <laughs> learned some things. Um, so let's get to your takeaway. Uh, well, so I've kind of hammered on this a few times, but marketing's changing. It's I would say the most exciting time to be in marketing. I tell everybody, like, it looked like it was really cool in the 60s, and it was, but it's way cooler now because we're going to a whole new world. And if what I would recommend is read some of the older writers like Claude Hopkins and Albert Lasker, a great book called The Man Who Sold America, and uh, John Caples. Like, they lived in a world where they were like bemoaning the loss of conversation, and they would love this era. And so, this is a great way to sort of build your tool check, toolkit that way. Um, the customer profile, you've got to think about not just your CRM data that's transactional, but how do you bring in the experience data? If I say I had a great flight, um, that should be part of my profile now. If I say I had a bad flight, it should be part of my profile now. And it doesn't have to be just because I'm an airline. I would want to know if I had a bad flight, if I was the hotel that I'm showing up at. You know, right. Don't ask him how his flight was because he had a bad flight. We can tell that right now. Just give him an upgrade. Give them some hot towels, give them a beer, like take, take it easy, right? And so this getting the, a profile that's the real truth of a person, um, both their experiences and their data around transactions makes a big difference. And then, and then customer expectations have changed. You know, the people are expecting personalized information, the 51st dates model. You know, people are weirded out when we don't talk to them in a personal way because they know we know. And they're just like puzzled as to why we don't surface it. And people are um, accepting of it and wanting it. And the one thing, the one number that I, I always sort of like to lay out there and I'll kind of close on this is that these experiences, they've got great upside. I talked about McDonald's. That was a type of experience, right? People loved it. When you deliver a great experience, people get excited. But when you del- deliver a bad experience, 95% of the time, people share a bad experience with someone else. And remember, they're sharing it on a global network. So right. the cost of bad experiences has gone through the roof. Yeah. Either way, they're going to get excited. Excited in a good way or excited yeah, in a true. bad way. You <laughs> want the good way. All right, listen, let's do one and let's let's make it a quick answer. You so uh, you're a marketer. I'm a marketer listening, watching right now. What's something that I could start doing today, right now, that will help me build a customer experience? Aside from working with Sprinkler, what's one thing that I could do right now? Well, so you know, aside from working with sprinkler, geez, wow, I don't know. Uh, well, so, that's the obvious, right? <laughs> but you know, one thing, one thing I don't see people do, and I would say everyone should do this: map out your current customer journey. Like, what is the current? If you're a hotel, what's your current guest experience? How are they actually getting to you, finding you, and getting in the door? And how, what does that whole thing feel like end to end? And what should that. it be? Just yeah. map it out. I mean, and then you can start to say, "Hey, I got a dream." You know, I want to change the way this thing works. I want to change the way these customer experiences are working. But until you map that customer journey out, it's very hard to align the organization. Adrian, welcome, Greg. Great to see you. How's the flight from New York? You live in Midtown. That must be noisy. We got you double pane windows here. You're going to have a really quiet sleep tonight. And here's an upgrade and the kind of beer you like. Could you yeah. imagine on check-in? You'd would never go anywhere, anywhere else. else. That'd be it. Yeah. So, so there you go. There's a great tip um, from the one and only Brad Khan. Thank you so much for being here today. I can't wait to talk to you again, bud. Or, and doing it Thanks, in person. See you soon. Yes, absolutely. Great to see you. Chief Experience Officer of Sprinkler, thank you so much. 
That's sad when this one ended. I could have kept going for another couple of hours. And like I said, I, I don't know what it is about Danny and I, but we got to do like an all-day webinar sometime or something. <laughs> There's something there. Um, we definitely have to. We definitely have to do an evening. There's no question that uh, we've got a full-blown evening in front of us somewhere. And Danny, if you're listening, uh, I'll, I'll send you an invite, and we'll get together as soon as we, uh, as soon as you feel comfortable. I'm, I'm ready to go. So that was uh, the Adweek new customer experience event. I had a lot of fun doing it. Adweek folks were terrific to deal with, incredibly well organized. They had custom backgrounds. It was great. If you want to see the video version of this, it's in the podcast notes and also in the blog post about this. So feel free to to watch it if you want to see the full fidelity version. Um, But I think the podcast does a pretty good job because it was just a a pure interview. There weren't any slides. Uh, You do miss sort of Danny's hair coming down, but otherwise um, you have to look at my face a lot, which is, you know, probably, uh, what's, the, what's the joke, you know, you've got a face for radio, so probably not necessarily adding a bunch to the experience. So that's it for today. Uh, I'm Grad Khan, CXO at Sprinkler, and I will see you in another rerun next time.